0: glad you're here this morning as we begin the christmas season and we kick it off with a new series called a thrill of hope and want to say also thank you for all those that were watching in their living room this morning participating with us glad you made it a priority to be a part of god's church and just a reminder to everybody to just stay connected to god's church especially through the uh, christmas season you know statistically they're saying so many have fallen away from the church because of covid and fears and all this kind of stuff and it's no better time to share the gospel and to invite than now. And so we just pray that you just seize the moment, uh, put the opportunities that God has before you, uh, put that faith into action and just invite people to be a part of what God is doing, whether it's in the room or online. We appreciate you being here with us this morning. We are starting a series called A Thrill of Hope. Now does anyone know where that line comes from, A Thrill of Hope? Anyone? 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 Somebody, I think I heard one person said it, Oh Holy Night. It's a line from a song called Oh Holy Night. Now, if you're familiar with Christmas and Christmas songs and Christmas carols, you know the song Oh Holy Night, right? I mean, what better song just encapsulates all of Christmas? I mean, it's got so many good lines in there, and one of them that is is a thrill of hope. And, and there's so many, and, and that's what we're going to be doing for the next several weeks is we're going to be taking different, different parts of that song and kind of breaking them down from scripture and looking at the, the rich doctrine and theology and, and, and where does this thrill of hope come from? Where does it come from for people? Now, as we talk about a holy night, that is a song that creates a lot of tension. Do you feel it? Maybe we should go through it. Let me, let me create why it is a song that creates so much tension. Someone starts singing it, right? Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices when yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And that's where you get the goosebumps, right? Because you you know what the next part is. It's fall on your knees, and it's that really high note, and you're always wondering, are they going to hit the note? <laughs> is This is serious. When Leander breaks a new and glorious morning, you're always like, is it going to be like, fall on your knees, or is it going to be like, fall? You know, where it's a little flat and a little pitchy, and you're like, oh, they ruined it, and that ruins your whole Christmas season, right? And I'm not putting any pressure on our worship team, trust me, okay? I mean, this. People are going to hit the note every time. But, you know, seriously, that is the tension in the song, as you get to that part. And don't you do that every time your shoulders kind of raise and you, you kind of tilt your head to the left and you just kind of pray? It's like, please hit the note, please hit the note. You know, and, and that's part of the tension of the song, but that's not the tension we're actually talking about. We're actually talking about there's this tension in the world with how the world is now, how God desires it to be, and at some point, God, what are you going to do about that? And he says, ah, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. It's my son. His name is Jesus. And I'm going to send him into the world. And and it's literally God made flesh and dwelt among us. It's literally, it's called the incarnation. God taking on the form of man, coming into the world. And that is how God ingests hope back into the world. A thrill of hope. And today we're going to be looking at a line from that song where it says that the weary world rejoices. The weary world re- rejoices. Oh, well, Holy Night's a great song. I mean, there's so much truth in there. It gives you this feeling of Christmas all in about three minutes and 30 seconds, right? But what's great about it, too, is there's these theological truths that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. Because this song reminds us what a big deal Christmas is. And, and why our salvation starts now? It starts in the Christmas season, and and that night, that old holy night when when Jesus was born, was truly like a night that had never been before. It was a, it was a night like no other. So many miraculous things happened today as we look at the weird world rejoices. We're gonna be beginning in John's Gospel, chapter 1. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, John's Gospel, chapter 1. So New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 1. That's not actually our main passage this morning. Our main passage is going to be 1 John, chapter 1, but we're going to begin in John, chapter 1, just to kind of lay a foundation. Now, before we read here, I want us to understand why this was a big deal, the weary world rejoices. It was a big deal then, and it's a big deal now. The weary world rejoices. How weary was the world? Let's go back. Let's go back to the first century. How weary was it if you were a Jew at that time? You're under Roman occupation, and and we're all familiar with that, but what about this? You see, there's this time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there was this kind of break. The book of of Malachi ends the Old Testament. Some people call him Malachi, the Italian prophet, but it's, it's Malachi. But, but there's this break in there from Malachi till we get to the book of Matthew. And if you are a scholar, you understand as you read that, that this is called the intertestamental period. It's the time between the Testaments, the New Testament and the Old Testament. There's about 200 years there. And you think, wait, God was sending prophets And and you read the Old Testament, you read all the prophets, the minor prophets, and the major prophets, and and all the different ones, and and the prophets are God's mouthpiece saying, come back to God, come back to God. But then they start telling about the future. They start telling you, hey, a Messiah will come, and he'll be born in the city of David, in Bethlehem. And this, uh, you know, they go through all these prophecies hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. It's amazing if you actually do the research and understand these prophecies. And yet, it just seems to all shut down and there's about 200 years where there's silence. There's silence. No prophets are speaking, nothing's really going on until the time of Jesus' birth. And then we get to the New Testament, and then we get to the Gospel of Matthew and and the Gospel of Luke, the traditional Christmas passages. And just like it was a a weary world back then because of the silence it seemed from God, because of of the the prophets of old not writing anymore, because of all the prophecy that was to come of the Messiah, yet the Messiah in in saving those people seemed so far from them because nothing was going on. It just seemed like nothing was going on. Rome was occupying them. Uh, They were under taxation, heavy taxation. They were under occupation at the time. It just seemed like there was a world that had no hope. But when God ingests hope through Jesus Christ, through the baby born in a manger, you see that it was a thrill of hope to them. Our world is weary. And I think today it's a call for us that the weary world can rejoice in the fact that God sent his son Jesus to be a sacrifice, to to be a a substitution, to atone for our sins. And that is a reason to be excited. That is a reason to have a thrill of hope when that dark and weary world rejoices. And see, when you have a thrill of hope, I think there's this anticipation there. I was trying to think of other times in life where you may experience this, and you would in no way experience it to the level of your salvation from the Son of God. But let's go there for a minute. You know there's this thrill of hope that maybe you are on a sports team at one point and maybe you guys were pretty good and you won a lot of games you got to the state tournament and i know there's some young athletes in the room that have, have gotten there you've you've been there for volleyball um with with oba or or with chisholm or or uh with enid or you've been there uh, through football or baseball or whatever your sport is i know swim teams sometimes do do really well and and what happens is there's this thrill of hope there's this anticipation that something good might happen. We might win a state championship. And you can feel that. I mean, do you remember what that felt like? The nervousness and the anticipation. But it was yet a thrill because you were hopeful of what might come. That could be... uh, emphasized in so many areas of life maybe it's it's something that you've done you've accomplished and there's this thrill of hope for your accomplishments or, or for something that you've you've done or something that you've built maybe it's a project you've just poured yourself into it. and when you're done there's this thrill of hope of the satisfaction and anticipation of that being done maybe for some of you it's at work it's something that you've been working on maybe it's it's're in in the financial part of your life maybe it's in some relationship but you can take this thought of a thrill of hope this anticipation this excitement that you have of what What might become? What might be coming? And that is the thrill of hope of the Son of God, the Incarnation, taking on the form of man and coming into our world. And you know what it brings. The title of today's message is The Weary World Rejoices. The world that is weary rejoices. And yet you say, How? But you know the story. I mean, you know Luke chapter 2, traditional Christmas passage, right? I mean, you've got to remember, right? And there were, in that same country, you know, shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the Bible says that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were, I love this word, sore afraid. It means they were terrified, they were petrified. I mean, in the middle of the night, they're watching the sheep, you know, a little bad there, bad there. It's it's quiet, and yet here comes the angel. Here comes the glory of God in the night sky. And that's why the angel said what he says next in that passage. He says, fear not, (laughs) because they were sore afraid. The angel says unto the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Great joy, which shall be for who? For all people. The weary world rejoices. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you, for unto you personally, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ coming into the world, a thrill of hope. Let's read about this in John's Gospel, chapter 1. John's Gospel, chapter 1. Now, you would say uh, this is not a traditional Christmas passage, all right? It's just, it's not a traditional passage that we look at. It's not a, a passage of Scripture that um, people go to read for Christmas time. And yet, it tells us and reveals to us the meaning of the coming of the Son of God. Check this out, John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, if you're following along in the app or you're following along in your Bible right now, there's something significant about the Word, Word there. And that is the fact that it is capitalized, correct? In the beginning was the Word. That word in Greek, in the original language the New Testament was written in, is, is Lagos. And, and it's capitalized there because it's a reference to Jesus Christ. He's called the Word, He's the living Word. He's the Word of life, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And it says that in the beginning, from the very beginning, pre Genesis 1 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Jesus is a part of God. He's God's Son. So, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in what? In the darkness. It makes sense, right? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so John is referring to the Word here. Now, understand, John is a disciple of Jesus Christ. John has spent a lot of time with Him. John is referred to as the disciple who Jesus loved. He was part of Jesus' inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He he was one of the ones that was really close to Jesus. And he starts out by his gospel message talking about this, talking about this light in the darkness. Now go down to verse nine. It says, the true light that gives light to who? To all people, right? That's what the angel said, to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. There were some that said, oh, I'm not gonna believe in Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna believe that he is the Messiah. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He was a Jew, he came to be the Messiah of the Jews, and yet some of the Jews did not accept him. Yet, verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. And the Word, capital W, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, it's not really angels and shepherds and wise men and Mary's lineage and Joseph's lineage and the story and leading up to the birth, but you see John's gospel presentation here, right? You see what he's doing here. He's validating and he's crediting that this word was with God from the beginning, that this is God made in the flesh, that he's a light that's going to push back in the darkness. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, I want you to turn over to 1 John. I want you to turn over to 1 John now. And I want you to understand that here in 1 John, this is the same author that wrote the Gospel of John, the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, 1 John's different in that 1 John is a letter that was written to Christians in the first century. It's a letter that explains the basic truths about the Christian life. And this letter wasn't just written to like a church. It was written to a, a bunch of churches and a bunch of Christians. And this letter was probably circulated amongst many, many people that were following Jesus at that time. And so he's trying to encourage them. He's showing them the basics of the faith. He's teaching them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we get to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, and let's read it now that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes because he was a disciple he'd seen Jesus with his eyes which we have looked at and our hands have touched him and the disciples and those that followed Jesus had seen him they had touched him they would ate with him this we proclaim concerning the word of life notice the word is capitalized again the life appeared rejoices because Jesus has come into the world. And though these passages we've just read don't describe the Christmas story and all of its events and details, it very much does tell us the meaning of Christmas, the true meaning of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming into the world. And is critically important to us Because if we want to have the anticipation and the thrill of hope, we living in our weary world today can also rejoice because of what God has done through Jesus Christ. The thrill of hope. There's three things I want us to get out of this this morning. The first one is this. I want you to understand that the incarnation is real. The incarnation is real. Look at 1 John 1.1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word, the logos, the word of life. I want you to notice that the incarnation is real because we have heard it, we have seen it, and we have touched it. And what, what John is saying to us there is this, this really did happen. This 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 really did happen God really took on the form of man and came in the person of Jesus and came to earth it's not some nostalgic story it's not some feel-good fable uh, that we bring out at Christmas and, and every December we, we talk about it this really happened the Son of God was really born into this world he really came to earth and this is the validation and the foundation of it all is the incarnation the incarnation is real God took on the form of man and came in to the world. The incarnation is real. The second thing I want us to consider this morning is that Jesus is life. Jesus is life. Look at 1 John 1, verse two. It says, the life appeared, and we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and has appeared to us. It says, the life appeared. This word is, is giving us the, uh, the thought of existence and eternal existence. A joyful, a, a happy, a fulfilled, a meaningful life. The life appeared. We have seen it and we testify to it. We proclaim to you. Do you feel the urgency in his voice? And the true belief. We proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard. So that you also may have fellowship with us. It's eternal life, which the Father has done and has appeared to us. Notice that John doesn't say here that Jesus has life or that Jesus gives life. He says Jesus is life. Eternal life and life in this world is only found in the fullness of him, in that relationship with him. And in every other religion in the world, they give you this set of rules, this set of parameters, this set of hoops to jump through, and this is how you achieve life. Whether it be eternal life or just a better life, while you're on the earth, you, you, you keep all these rules and you jump through all of these hoops. And yet, here we are in the scripture. It's saying that Jesus is life. And Jesus said this himself. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, but Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said it. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And see, Christianity does not say Jesus is a great prophet pointing us the way to God. That we can somehow follow some rules and save ourselves. But no, he says Jesus Christ, according to Christmas, is God coming into the world to save us. To do what we cannot do ourselves. To know him is to know life. To know him is to have life and to have it as Scripture says, more abundantly. Christmas is the way that you are saved by grace. Christmas is showing us that we cannot earn it, that God had to come into our world and to intervene and to intercede for us. You cannot work for it. Life is yours by accepting Jesus Christ as Savior and accepting the gift that He brings to you, not only at Christmas, but always. You see, Jesus is the life so we know from from this that the Incarnation is real we know that Jesus is life and the last thing this morning Christmas shows us real love Christmas actually shows us real love look at first John chapter 1 verse 3 it says we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ what would possess the God of the universe to want to send his son into the world, first of all, off the throne and the glory of heaven to earth and to send him knowing full well that he was going to sacrifice for people that don't even deserve it. For some people that don't even acknowledge it. For some people that may accept it and then seem to struggle with honoring him. But yet, Christmas shows us the deep love of God sending His Son into the fallen world to be a sacrifice for people who sin against Him constantly. And it says in in Scriptures that He dwelt among us. Why did He dwell among us? Why was this important? It's because He wanted to have fellowship with us because He loved us. Christmas means that He is the one that loves us. That He is the one that created us. That he wrote himself into our very life story here in this world he came to us so that we could have fellowship with him and he wants us to know love and the only way we experience that is in him through jesus christ and so we learn from this that this is real this really happened the incarnation is real that this is life That Jesus gives us true life and that this is love. And that is the meaning of Christmas. And that is the thrill of hope when the weary world rejoices. And why does John make a big deal about this? Why in the beginning of his gospel does he go through the light and the darkness and call him the word from the beginning? Why in 1 John, in his first letter that circulated to Christians and to churches, why does he make a big deal out of this? Look at 1 John 1 verse 4. We write this to make our joy complete. When he's saying our, he's talking about the believer's The Christians, the ones who follow Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. How is joy made complete? How can the weary world rejoice? In the fact that God sent his son. That Jesus came to us. The fact that God actually even wants us to experience true joy. Real, deep, lasting joy. Christmas gives us the reason. In the middle of our weary world, we know something that those that do not accept Christ don't know, even though they're just a reach away. In the middle of our weary world, we don't have to be afraid of anything. When the angels came and proclaimed, fear not, that's what they meant. Fear not, for rejoice. Isaiah 9:6 says this, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And because of him, the weary world has reason to rejoice. It's the thrill of hope. It's the thrill of hope that the Son of God is coming into the world. And that is the meaning of Christmas, and that's what Christmas is all about. We're going to be looking at several different concepts over the next several weeks that I think is really going to deepen our hope in Him. That if you're not feeling it maybe today, I want you to examine your heart and examine your mind and really reflect on what God did by even just sending Jesus into the world. Because I think that is reason enough for anyone to rejoice in the Son of God. It's interesting because in John's Gospel, and also in his letter in 1 John, he talks about light and darkness. Remember in, first, in John's Gospel, in chapter 1, as you got down to verse 4 and 5 there, it says the light was coming into the world. And do you, do you remember that a little bit further down, it says that light was coming into the darkness, was pushing back on the darkness in the world. And that light was the light of, of men, it was the light of mankind. God has been in the business of shedding His light and shining His light into dark places. And then we get into 1 John. But actually, we didn't go far enough. We stopped at verse 4. Let me read the verses after verse 4. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. And this is the message that we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, listen to this, purifies us from all sin. thrill of hope, the hope that you could be forgiven of sins, that if you have a past that's haunting you, you could put that behind you and you could walk in what the Bible says is newness of life, that you can have the hope of Christmas, a thrill of hope, and no matter how your world feels today, maybe it just feels so weary and so uh, laborious and, and cumbersome and it's just negative, in this weary world, you can rejoice. Because the Son of God has come to you we're going to respond to the word of God this morning by taking communion and hopefully when you came in this morning you got those elements and if you didn't feel free to slip out and grab those they're available every week and if you're with us online hopefully you've made those preparations to have this moment to commune with Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior And here at Oakwood, just as a reminder, we practice what's called open communion. Uh, You don't have to be a member of Oakwood Christian Church to take communion here. You just need to be a member of the body of Christ, the greater body of Christ. Because Jesus calls us as believers to take these emblems and to do this in remembrance of him. This is a memorial meal. And we look into his incarnation as we take these emblems together. What I want you to do this morning as we come into this time, is I want you to consider the darkness that maybe has crept into your life. You see, darkness covers. Darkness hides. Darkness has this thing, and it conceals. And, and we kind of like that sometimes. We like living with concealment and darkness, and, you know, as long as it covers. And But see, light comes in, and light exposes. And what does the Scriptures we read today say about that? It says that in John's Gospel... The Jesus, the light, the light was coming into the darkness. Why was the light coming into the darkness? Why does that even matter? Why was He even called the light? It's because He wants to expose. He wants to show us the way that we should live. He wants to show us the opportunity we have for forgiveness of sins and to walk a new path in life. So this morning, as we gather around the Lord's table, As we take these emblems and the bread that represents his body, and the cup that represents his blood, we do this in remembrance of him, remembering his sacrifice remember he is the light. And if you have some darkness in your life that you need to confess to him this morning, use these next few minutes to do that. As we commune and we gather around the Lord's table, and we look to our Savior who loved us so much. Because his intention, his desire for you is for you to have a thrill of hope and a life that even in a weary world rejoices. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you now and we, we pause to take these emblems to remember your sacrifice and we thank you for that. And God, I just pray right now that you would just help us, Lord. Purify us, as, it, as we just read in Scripture, purify us from all unrighteousness. Purify us from our sins, Lord. Shine your light, who you are, the redemption of all mankind that's found in the birth of Jesus, that starts with the incarnation. God, I just pray that you would show that to us. And God, I pray these next few minutes that we would ponder and consider the ways you would have us To glorify you and to change our minds and our hearts so that we can walk in the newness of life, so that we can be children of the light, so we can walk in the light as you are in the light. And God, we know that that thrill of hope is going to well up in us and that we will be a more joyful people because we are walking closer to you. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. If you would, just take a couple minutes here and commune with your Savior, Jesus Christ.